0: morning Psalm 145 I will exalt you my God and King and praise your name forever and ever I will praise you every day yes I will praise you forever great is the Lord he is most worthy of praise no one can measure his greatness let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts let them proclaim your power I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspired deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. They will tell about your mighty deeds and about the ma- majesty and glory of your reign. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule throughout all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. The Lord is close to all who call upon him. Yes, to all who call upon him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord protects all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked. I will praise the Lord and may everyone on earth bless his holy name forever and ever. So let's just bless his holy name. Because the Bible says that faithful followers will praise him. So, as faithful followers of Jesus, let's praise his name together. Hallelujah. I search
1: the world.
0: jar. And the dad isn't upset that he has to do that. He's glad that he can show his strength for his son and provide that little thing for him. And I hear God saying, if you have something and you're like, I want to do it myself. I want to be able to do this myself. And he's like, just ask
1: When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I. Need. Praise make a dead man walk again
2: Good morning. Live streamers, wherever you're watching at, Facebook, YouTube, it's good to have you. Wherever you are, just say hey, wave on there. If you have prayer requests, we'd love to pray. Just post those, whatever platform you're watching on, and we'll pray for those. But it's good to have you today, tithe and offering time. So if you have something to give, you can prep that as we're uh, finishing up loving each other for a minute, I guess, something like that. Offer an or are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around and, and one of the ushers will help you out. The ushers also have prayer cards. So if you have a prayer request, uh, you can um, ask for one of those. And, and we're a praying church, so we'll pray for your prayer request. So just go ahead and uh, fill one of those out and give those to me. Um, but as you give this morning, how many know that God is faithful? Is he not faithful? And whenever we come together in worship and and fellowship with one another, and of course part of our our worship is our our giving, it is a response to the faithfulness of God. How many of you have seen increase in your life? Let me see. Did you know, regardless of how the mechanics of that worked, it all comes from him, you know that? So we give as a response. We're we're a church that believes in the tithe and the offering, and this is the time that we do that, and, and we believe that what comes in... We have wisdom of good stewardship of it and that the kingdom is advanced and grown with your giving, not just uh, taking care of the things that you see here, but beyond that. So I'm going to pray and if you have something to give, you can bring it down this morning. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come and worship and be in your presence this morning. We thank you for those that are here. And, and I pray as, as you are faithful to us, we learn how to be faithful in response. So we're always growing in that. Lord, that we are a reflection of how you are, because our faithfulness, Lord, is part of how we're a light in this world. So, Lord, teach us and grow us, shape us and mold us to be like you. And we thank you for that as we give today. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. So, you can bring your uh, giving forward this morning. Some announcements. Mike had these in his hand just a minute ago. He put them down, so he, I'm going to have him go get it. Uh, this past Wednesday, uh, mark 40 days till Easter, believe it or not. So if you're interested, we have uh, a 40-day scripture reading guide leading up to Easter. And It's not a, a lot of reading every day, sometimes uh, a few verses, sometimes maybe a chapter or so, but focused on the, the resurrection or the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So if you haven't got one of these, you're interested in one, wave your hand around right now. Uh, Drew's got one of those, okay? And keep your hand up until he comes and finds you. Also, you uh, I don't announce this too much, but let me throw this out real quick. Uh, If you are a member of our church or you call this your home church, we have in our church things we call dream teams. And a dream team is service functions of our church to make our church go. So for instance, the worship team's a dream team, the kids' church team's a dream team, the ushers are a dream team, the greeters are a dream team, so much more. So if you're interested in joining a dream team, the papers at the back, they look just like this. Uh, Put your name on here, check one or two that you're interested in, I'll get back with you and we'll get you involved in the church. Other than that, uh, don't forget every Monday night from six to seven right here, we have church-wide prayer. Uh, Be here for that. Women's meeting, yeah, we got a women's day here on April the 29th, so we're we're a little bit out on that date, but mark your calendar for it. Uh, it Starts in the morning, we'll go to early afternoon, correct, something like that. There'll be lunch and all sorts of stuff. So, uh, as we get more details, Margaret will tell you about it coming up soon, right? Right, there'll be some teaching and some worship and things like that. Uh, We don't have a date on this yet. I know I was throwing out a date, we're gonna change this. We have a guys' night coming up on a Friday night. Uh, so I'll get you more details about that. So whatever the women are going to eat at their event, we're going to eat worse, okay, at ours. Uh, that's just the way it works for the guys. Well, you probably will be healthy. We're like, oh, you don't know? You guys aren't going to be healthy and what you eat? You'll eat good. But we'll eat good, but also in a worse but better way, if you know what I'm saying. So um, but anyway, watch the details for a guy's night on a Friday night. It'll start at like 6.30 and, and go as late as we want to, and... and uh, just so you know, uh, guys, I'm saying middle school kids, boys on up, all right? So so we want the young guys to be involved with us too. So anyway, we'll tell you more about that. And I think that's all I have, other than if you're new at this today, oh, Joy Fellowship. Bill was giving me the eyeball right there. Okay, Joy Fellowship uh, is our small group of, of we would just call them the the... Strong generation of our church, the older generation of our church, 55 and up, they meet once a month on a Sunday at 5 o'clock, and they always bring some food in, have some time together, and meet downstairs. That's next Sunday at 5 o'clock. So Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around so they know who you are. So if you have questions about that, see Bill and Patsy. But again, next Friday or Friday, yeah, next Sunday at 5 o'clock is Joy Fellowship. And if you're new with us today, or or if you've been with us a couple times, in the chair in front of you is this. Uh, blue fold over. This just tells you more about our church, a little bit about uh, who we are, some of the things that uh, we do here. And also, with that is a Get Connected card. So, we'd love to connect with you. Just throw that out and you can give it to myself or Margot or Amanda, who's way back there. Amanda, wave your hand around. You give it to her too. And we got something for you if you do that. But thank you for being with us today. If you have questions, feel free to ask me. Okay, that's enough. Got your Bibles, get it out. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to kind of finish out today something we've been kind of talking about the last three weeks. Now, believe it or not, next week we're going to start our series uh, leading up to Easter um, and certainly Good Friday. We have a Good Friday service, but our Good Friday service is time of reflection uh, with stations and different things like that. We'll tell you more about that as that's coming. But we are on the road to uh, celebrating Resurrection Sunday in April but last day of something we've been talking about, fire, wind, and new wine. And we're gonna end out today talking about that last one, new wine. So when we talk about fire, wind, and new wine, these are these are metaphors. Now, we did talk about the fire of the presence of God a couple of weeks ago, and we were in uh, Exodus and Moses. Uh, meeting God at the bush that was on fire, right? And the the, the bush would not burn up even though it's on fire. Moses went to see the strange sight. And God began to speak to him from the burning bush. So, yes, there was a fire of God's presence in the Bible. And last week we talked about the wind of the Holy Spirit, how the Spirit blows as he chooses, right? And you don't know where he comes from or where he goes, but he does what he wills. But, yes, there was a a wind of fire literally uh, at the day of Pentecost, But these are times that we find these actions in the Bible of God, but we pull from them in a metaphorical way. In other words, these are ways that describe God or the activity of the Holy Spirit. Um, But yet, I don't expect today a literal fire to be burning in here of the presence of God, right? Though he could if he wanted to. So we think about the presence of God, as literally like a fire in our life. And we think about the wind of the Holy Spirit that He moves as He chooses, as it says in John chapter 3. So we want to follow up with that with this idea of the filling and continual filling of the Holy Spirit as like new wine in our life, the freshness of that. So Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So y'all understand that you are a child of God. You know that. How many of you have given your life to him? You are a child of God. That, That is your description. That is who you are. That's your identity. So because you're a child of God, Paul is encouraging us then to imitate him. So what's it mean? Verse number two. And walk in love. There's the big one. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Jesus literally gave himself for us in love. And there is our example of how we approach life. Verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. You see the contrast there? Horse talk, crude joking, should not be coming out of the same mouth that would offer praise to God. That our our being, being filled with him is overflowing from him, which results in thanksgiving to God. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, in an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, of Christ and God. You see that? So, grace does not mean I can call upon the name of the Lord when I want it, then turn around and live how I want, anyways. That's not the Christian life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in in a book, Cost of Discipleship. If you want to read a a solid uh, idea and thoughts on discipleship, read that book. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a pastor in Germany who came to America at the time of of the Nazis. Uh, He actually was part of the uh, uh, subversive church that would not submit to what was going on there while most churches bought into what was happening. He eventually was uh, hung by the Nazis in some of the last purging of people that they killed right at the end of the war. He wrote a book called Cost of Discipleship where he deals with the idea of cheap grace. Cheap grace is asking God for forgiveness about something that you have no intention of changing. Cheap grace. That we come to God because we know we need forgiveness and we ask for forgiveness. We, re- we lean on a verse like in 1 John where if, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you of all unrighteousness, Right? We lean on that, but then we turn around and live the same way in the things that we're asking for forgiveness for. He calls that cheap grace. There's a costly grace that says, though grace is free, right, we call upon it, but then repentance says there is life change. So what Paul's writing here, look, you that are children of God, these sort of things should not be, as he says, they're named among you sexual immorality, crudeness and coarseness coming from your mouth. You shouldn't covet things. In other words, in an idolatrous way. That we are people that begin to be free of these things. Let's keep going. Verse number six. Let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. In other words, don't let anybody convince you otherwise. It is for these kinds of sins that the wrath of God is going to come. Therefore, do not become partners with them nor join with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now, you're children of God, you are in the light in the Lord. You see that? So you were in darkness, now you're in the light. Why go stay in the darkness? As a matter of fact, he says, not all you children of light, but actually... Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is even shameful to speak of these things that they do in secret." Again, this is something we say a lot here. Your secret places define who you are. What you do in secret is really who you are. Because we're good at putting on a face when we're out in front of people. But how you are in secret really, really says a lot about you. Verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Of we just said, for it is shameful even to speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And friends, then it becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. So watch this. Look careful. In other words, examine yourself. Take stock. Look carefully, then, How you walk not as unwise, but wise, not in the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we read all that to get to here. And do not get drunk with wine, with as debauchery. In other words, trying to fulfill desire. But be filled with the what? The Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see the overflow of a life that's being filled with the Spirit, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, a thanksgiving to the Lord. There's always a thanksgiving in all that you do and certainly then how we submit to one another, love one another, care for one another. But do not get drunk with wine. The Bible strictly prohibits drunkenness. Amen. But the contrast here is you can get all filled with the things of the world but you actually got to be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast. You can chase after all the stuff the world offers, right? But you must rather be filled with the Spirit and the evidences of that. But here's the thing about being filled with the Spirit. The words be filled right there Don't capture in the English what Paul was saying there. So if you'd have read this in Greek at the time, you would have caught this because Greek words have have a present tense, or they have a a tense to them, present, past, future, and there's something called the aorist tense and all this different stuff. It says something that we don't see in the English. That word, be filled, means this, go on being filled. In other words, it's an ongoing venture in your life. It's not a one-time filling, And it's actually passive in nature. That also means let yourself be filled. So be filled with the Spirit. Go on continually being filled with the Spirit. is what Paul's saying here. And not only go on being filled, but it it carries the passive that I will let myself be filled. So part of the Christian life is an ongoing walk with God where we're being filled by him consistently, that he is active in our life in such a way that we are allowing him to bring who he is to us. So I think Christian is back there. We, we, just one slide today, Christian, throw that up. So, so kind of the point today is allow yourself to continually be filled with the Spirit. You can resist that, can you not? Yeah. You can live your life in such a way, even calling yourself a child of God, but yet the activity of the Holy Spirit is not happening in your life. The ongoing idea of discipleship is not just saying I believe in something, but what is happening to my life because I believe? That's discipleship. And part of the work of God that happens in your life is allowing the Holy Spirit to continually fill you. See, Again, the encouragement stems from a contrast. Notice Paul lists a bunch of things there. It's not an all-inclusive list of sin, but he throws some stuff in there. These things should not be named in the life of somebody who's a child of God. But the contrast of this to life with God is being filled continually with his spirit. He does the same thing in Galatians chapter 5. When he lists the fruit of the spirit... Notice if you start reading the the fruit of the Spirit listed, and and it starts with but. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, all the way down through. You know why? He just contrasted with a bunch of sin that he lists. How are you living a life not in that sin? You're growing into something. How is it that you live a life not filled with this sin? You continually be filled with the Spirit. Now, something we've been saying recently here a lot, it's not just not sinning, but it is growing into something. Because if you don't grow into something, you'll turn back to your sin. Isn't that right? It's a life of change that he's calling us to. And we grow out of things that he's listing here because the activity of the Holy Spirit is constant in our life. Now, what does this have to do with new wine? Well, obviously, wine is seen in the Bible in some different ways. Metaphorically speaking, new wine is seen as a good thing because it's a good thing of the land. So in Numbers 13, uh, remember, they're, they're scouting out the promised land, and the spies are sent, Right? And they come back with the report of everything that they saw. And eventually the report discouraged the Israelites that so they didn't go at that time. But one of the things they brought back on, on a rod was a cluster of grapes. It was a sign of the goodness of the land. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, you can write it down. We won't go there. But part of what is seen as the blessing of God is, is that your vats, your, your storehouses are overflowing with new wine. By the way, John chapter 2, one, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, where Jesus is at the wedding of Canaan. And, and remember, Canaan, and remember his, his mom kind of got him into changing water into wine. Mary, Mary kind of forced the issue a little bit. And the wine there being symbolic of the goodness of God, the kingdom of God. There a lot of imagery happening there with the, with, with the marriage and, and later with, see with Jesus in the church and the bride and the bridegroom. So much things happening there. But water turned into wine, symbolic of the goodness of the kingdom and ongoing celebration of the kingdom. And certainly we know at the Last Supper, uh, the cup that was presented was symbolic of the blood of Jesus in the new covenant. So in one sense, the drunkenness physically of wine is sin. We know that. But in another sense, there's a sim- symbolic nature of the new wine in Scriptures that is the goodness of God. So instead of being filled by the things of the world that lead to sin, be filled by the goodness of God. Allow yourself to be continually filled with the activity of the Holy Spirit. So Matthew chapter number 9, let's go there. And verse number 14. Matthew 9, 14, it says this. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So so in other words, the, the Pharisees, those that were following John, the Baptist, they were all doing their regular fast, but those that followed Jesus, his closest disciples, weren't doing any kind of fasting. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken from them, and we know that in the ascension of Jesus, and then they will fast. But notice how he talks about these things. No one puts an unshrunk cloth of an old garment on an old garment, but the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins so they both are preserved. See, the activity of the fermenting process of wine as it's being made, in those days it would put in some sort of a skin that it made out of animal skin, a pouch of some sort, and the fermenting process, because it expands, would expand the wineskin. So if you put new wine that starts this fermenting process into an old wineskin, that old has already been stretched, crack it would burst it takes new wine skins to hold the new wine and certainly jesus is talking very symbolically of old covenant and new covenant not that old covenant's bad but it's the precursor to the new covenant but the point is this in the new covenant comes the ability if we want to be wine skins filled with the new wine where the fermenting activity of the Holy Spirit can happen in your life, if you can see it that way. That God's activity can be in us in such a way that our lives are simply being changed, as Paul writes at the beginning of what we read today, to be imitators of God. See, what's interesting here... Is there seems to be in the scriptures multiple fillings of the Holy Spirit available. So let's just talk about the Holy Spirit for a second. Um, we know that in our salvation, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of regeneration. So in other words, when you give your life to God and you ask for the forgiveness of your sins, it is the Holy Spirit who comes and makes the new creation in you. Titus chapter 3, write that down, read that later. Titus chapter 3 talks about that. So the Holy Spirit is what's called the spirit of regeneration. He makes you new, new creations made. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's one thing he does. But along with that then, in Ephesians chapter 1, you can write that down, read this later. We also know that in our salvation, the Bible says we're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We're marked as a child of God. This, by the way, directly contrasts all the stuff you see in Revelation of a mark of the beast. You've been sealed. You've been marked by God. That's the activity of the Holy Spirit. So in your salvation, he is the one that makes you new. He marks you as a child of God. So again, how many of you today have given your life to God? Let me see. Okay, you've been made new. Did you know that? Brand new in here. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, You may not be able to see it, but you are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit that you are designated with a new identity as a child of God. By the way, believe that. So Wednesdays we've been talking about purpose a little bit. A little bit, that's what we've been talking about. You've got to start to see yourself as who you are. Because what the enemy would like to do is constantly peck away and steal your identity in him. If he can get that, it makes a big progress in keeping you away from the things of God in your life. Bill, start with looking at yourself and saying, I am, without a shadow of a doubt, a child of God. I've been marked with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The enemy, the things of this world, whatever you face, do you realize that that cannot be taken from you unless you choose to disregard it you know that the devil can't steal your identity can he Nope. problems of life can they take your identity from you Nope. you are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit amen that's who you are of course then we also know Acts chapter 2 there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit right Now, we would think that that the infilling of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, therefore, that's sort of a done deal. It's over. But yet we see times throughout the book of Acts where those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, it actually says, and they were filled with the Spirit. It's kind of interesting. So Acts chapter number 4, verse number 31. We'll look at one example here. Acts chapter 4. So we know in Acts chapter 2 is where the infilling of the Holy Spirit happened. But here we have Acts chapter 4. And verse number 31, and what's interesting is that Peter and John, if you read the backstory here, are part of the group where this happens. It says this very simply, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now Peter and John had already been filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2. But yet we see they're part of the company where this happens again. So it goes back to what Paul was saying in Ephesians 5, the ongoing filling of the Spirit in your life. It's not just a one-time event. In other words, it's part of the activity of the life of God that you have. And when you see it this way, you begin to understand this. In other words, there is a continual fellowship with God that comes in parts because of this. I think what that means is that we are continually receiving of him. It's not that you lost him and have to be completely refilled again, but there's a constant, kind of words like this, renewal, refreshing, to be continually filled with who he is. That is the desire that we should have as believers. Believers that I live my life actively in such a way, if you want to think about it this way, that I'm, in, I'm a habitation for the Holy Spirit in what I do. I'm open to him. But there's some of you that have been in a dry place for a while. Season of discouragement. Is life getting at you? Right? How many know what I'm talking about? You, you, I believe in God, but where in the world is he? You ever felt that way? Like, where, where'd he go? He hasn't gone anywhere. What Paul is writing in Ephesians 5 is there is the opportunity to have a refreshing and a renewal. Experiences with God that remind us who he is and that he's there. And I'm not talking about living your Christian life in some emotional, uh, high, you know, emotional, uh, tense place. It's always just this, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You burn yourself out like that. But learning how to live with God through the every days of your life, the ordinary. Tomorrow, other than we, we have a, a banquet tomorrow night, but other than that banquet, that's, that's out of the norm. Tomorrow Monday is an ordinary Monday for me. There's nothing extra happening. I will get up at the same time. I'll eat the same thing I usually eat every day during the week. I'll go to work about the same time. I'll have two meetings tomorrow, one at 10, and one when that one's over. I'll have lunch. Then my normal Monday practice, usually I'll start thinking about Wednesday's message and I'll start to put it together. That's my Monday tomorrow. That's what's happening. Ordinary, nothing extra. Unless I get to work and something crazy is going on. But it should be ordinary but yet I have the opportunity to live in the ordinary of my life open to the freshness of the Holy Spirit if I'm open to him. How how do you interact with the Holy Spirit? Don't make this hard. It's not weird. It's not strange. You pray. You worship. Spend time in the scriptures as you have. You simply are available to listen. That you get to the place where you know him well enough that he, just, he can tap you on the shoulder in the middle of the ordinary day of your life and you're listening to him. That you know him that much, right? And being open to him in such a way that what I do know about him, he often works well beyond our comprehension, too. Sometimes he's working very subtly in your life and you don't know it. That's what he does. But the fact that I am willing to be a habitation for him means everything. Right? I go to decisions to him. I involve him in my life. Therefore, you're open to him. And the freshness of the Spirit, again, like we were saying last week, and the wind blows like it pleases, and the Holy Spirit will bring freshness and renewal. When he desires to, but he knows you best to do the work that he needs to do. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says that he is your what? Your comforter, your counselor, right? Gospel John talks so much about this. The comforter and the counselor is here to aid you. Have you ever gone to see a counselor? Nothing wrong with that. Supposedly, hopefully, they gave you some good advice, some good wisdom some things to do to help you for whatever you were talking to them for, right? Good things. The Holy Spirit's available in the living of your life in that way. That that you actually ask, right? And he responds to you. I, I think most of us, at certain times in our life, feel like we've hit some dry places or times where we feel like God is not right here with us in the moment. I get that. That is part of life. It's part of us human beings interacting with a God we don't see, right? But yet, if we open ourselves up to him, he will show up just in the right time, just in the right place, just in the right manner that you need with the freshness of his spirit, be filled and overflowing What I like about what Paul was saying in Ephesians 5 was be filled with the Spirit, again, that active uh, way of allowing him to do so. Then notice the things he lists after that. These are things that come from your life, singing hymns and songs, right, submitting to one another. See, the freshness and the filling of the Holy Spirit never is just simply contained to yourself because the things that God does is never just about you. It's always bigger than you. In those times of the filling of spirit, it is for the overflow of your life to other people. Do you realize how much the work of God in your life is such an impact for somebody else? You ever think about that? That's what it's for. It's not just saving your soul, but it's about learning what it means then to live that way in a world that needs it. In other words, as Paul started that whole thing with, be imitators of God. Walk this earth as an imitator of God. That's a big task. But yet, I do know that every time God calls us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes that. He doesn't leave you alone in doing it. You want to be an imitator of God, be filled with the Spirit. And continue to allow yourself to be filled. That's what I desire. So... Here's a question today. Closing up a little bit early. Because I want to give you an opportunity today to allow the Holy Spirit to bring a freshness to your life. So, so when, whenever um, I write, put together things I'm going to say, I don't, I don't do it just flippantly. Well, I've got to get something together for Wednesday. What do I want to talk about? We pray about it. Allow, allow hopefully, hopefully, the direction of the spirit in what's happening, right? But as I was putting this together, I really felt that I didn't want to talk to you for 45 minutes and send you home, that I wanted to do a little shorter. So if you wanted to, you could spend time just allowing the, the presence of God to be with us before we leave. So I'm going to ask Samara, if you would, if you come back up. And just play something for us. I don't know. Would it be okay if we just wait with the presence of God for a few moments before we go? That we don't have to rush out of here? I, I know it's 11 o'clock. I, I'm, an early, I'm an early eater. So like at work at 11 o'clock, I'm eating lunch. At 5 o'clock, I'm hungry. I'm like, hey, what are we eating tonight? You know, and that's just the way I am. So usually this is my time to start eating lunch. That may be where your brain is, so I I bring your brain back. I know you may have plans today. I don't know what you got going on. But before we go, just for a few moments, let's just just spend time with you. And if you want to, you can stay sitting at your seat. You can stand up. You can come down to the altar. You You can walk around. I don't care. But I want you just for a few moments, if you don't know what, you just say, Holy Spirit, fill me, refresh me, renew me. Holy Spirit, fill us in such a way that we're overflowing. We can't be contained, what you are doing. Lord, in these moments, teach us what it means to be filled with your Spirit and learn how to do so consistently. Lord, we learn what it means to be open containers, a place of habitation for you. And there's so many incredible benefits to it beyond our understanding. Lord, that you fill us. Let's just wait on him for a few moments. Oh, Jesus.